You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, June 29th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always, the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or the recently launched Just Baseball, or maybe Pop Culture Entertainment. Maybe, by any chance, I might be down your lane a little bit. My work can be found at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Blade Disgusting, Film Cred, and more, and hopefully many more to come, guys. But of this here Lockdown Padres podcast, most importantly, you can check out the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres or my personal account which is at Javapeno and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O if you feel so inclined you can hit me up on there with any questions comments or concerns that you might have and I'd love to get back to you maybe even get back to you on the show Today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Locked On MLB Prospects. Guys, if you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over all them prospects, we have the podcast for you that is Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton, also host of the Locked On Marlins podcast, also the founder of Just Baseball, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. Follow Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And guys, today's episode, we are talking talking about an article that I wrote uh, this past week about Padres trade targets. So I will link the podcast in the description if you just want to read it or whatever. But going to be talking about that. Going to be talking about the trade deadline stuff in general. Uh, Give me my thoughts on that. And then also in the article, I also wrote, wrote about just some popular targets that I don't necessarily think that the Padres should go after. So we're going to we're gonna get into this. Probably not a super long episode today, but you guys know me. I always end up talking for way much longer <laughs> than I actually uh, claim uh, I'm going to speak at the beginning of the episode. And also... Um, I guess starting now, I might as well start getting this uh, ready for the 300th episode of the podcast. This is 293 that you're listening to right now. I'm going to do a mega mailbag, so start coming up with your questions. You can DM me on Twitter uh, at my personal account or the Padres account. Send me your questions, and I'll save them all for like a giant super mailbag spectacular for the 300th episode. So even though it's you know coming next week, you could still start sending me in your questions right now. Um, but yeah, with that all said, guys, let's get right into it. First, I just want to talk really vaguely about the Padres, really generally, I should say, not vaguely, but generally about the Padres for the trade deadline before we get into the specific names that I thought of um, in the piece and just what I think of for the Padres' this coming deadline. And look, let's just look at, first, let's start with just kind of the basic stats for the Padres. All right, at the time of this recording, they're four and a half games back from the San Francisco Giants. They've got 47 wins on the season, which is, I believe, the third most in the National League. So they still have a lot of wins. It just so happens that the NL West has every best of team in baseball in it. So that's just Padres' luck, unfortunately. And then in terms of some of their general stats, let's just look at the offense. They're 14th in batting average, which isn't great, but not terrible. Their on-base percentage is 7th in the league, which is great. Runs 10th, which is pretty solid. Home runs 13, which is... Is, you know, it's, it's okay. Slugging percentage at 11th, and then earned run average ERA. They are second in the league. Batting average against fifth in the league, and walks plus hits per inning, otherwise known as WHIP. They are fifth in the league. So yeah, that looks like pretty elite upper tier numbers. Now, are they like in the best of the best of the best of the best of the best? 
I don't know. They're not necessarily always playing like it because, as I talked about yesterday, sometimes they're inconsistent against bad teams. But even still, uh, if you just take the team in a totality sense, they are a very, very good baseball team. They have a lot of depth, despite the guys that are struggling, like Jerickson Profar, like Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, Blake Snell. Despite all that, they are still among the league leaders in a lot of areas. And they even have areas that you wouldn't expect, like Mark Melanson being a super big breakout this year. and just kind of, Not breakout, that's the wrong way. Uh, Mark Melanson just kind of having a resurgence, being one of the most effective shutdown closes in baseball. So the team is still very good, and that's what's so weird. Unlike last year, and if you heard my episodes in in the past month, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but unlike last year, the Padres at the trade deadline this year, it's not as obvious what they should do. And there's two reasons for that. First of all, uh, there's no DH this year, so just adding another bat isn't as seamless and easy necessarily, right? If we had a DH, I'd be like, let's go get anybody, right? There's so many options you could do when you have the DH, which is, by the way, another reason, guys, why we should have the DH. So this this message brought to you by Anti-DH Campaign. You can visit our website. No, I'm kidding. Um, so that's, that's one part. And the second part is that last year it was just so obvious what they needed, right? They need to try and add some type of starting pitcher. That would have been nice because basically last year it was a little bit of a breakout for Zach Davies, but you didn't know how much that was going to hold up considering he throws the same kind of pitch every time. And then Chris Paddock wasn't doing anything and Denelson Lamette turned into an ace, but you know, there wasn't necessarily the, the second guy. So they go out and they get Mike Clevenger, which was not what I expected them to do. That was a lot higher pay grade of a player that they ended up trading for, and obviously he gets hurt, but still. And then you look at the team and you say, Emilio Pagan really struggling that year, and he's not like an ace-quality reliever. He hasn't even been all that incredible this year. He's very prone and susceptible to the fly ball. But you say, all right, he hasn't been that great. And then also they lost Kirby Yates, so they said, all right, go get a closer. They get Trevor Rosenthal. This year... It's hard to find areas that they could fix the team. They're kind of stuck with Eric Hosmer at first base. They're kind of stuck with Will Myers. And Jerkson Profar, I mean, has been really bad and stuff, but you just gave him the contract. So it's not an unmovable contract. And it's certainly possible that you bring in some extra bats. You know, maybe you don't have to have Webster Revis. Maybe you want to go for a backup catcher for whatever reasons. I don't know. I'm just saying you. there's a lot more, like, weird, like, pieces in place when it comes to the Padres this year. There's not as many surefire things that you can do, or at least as many easy moves to make, right? Another thing I want to make about the deadline is this. It's just a critique of everybody. All of the fans, and I'm trying, I don't mean this in a, it's going to come off this way, but I don't mean this in a super condescending uh, fashion, but guys, anybody can log on. Anybody can be like, you know what we should do? We should trade for Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, Vlad Jr., I've seen pop up every now and then. Yeah, that's right. I've even seen that name brought up. Uh, Cattell Mark, Chris Bryant, like naming all the obvious names. And don't get me wrong, I would love those players on this team. Let's let's be clear. I'm not saying I wouldn't want to. I actually think that the Cubs, they're in actually secretly a very bad position because they're so good this year. They're a legit pretty good team, uh, but they sold all this stuff and they've got all these guys becoming free agents and they don't know necessarily what to do. They probably should sell, but are they going to be smart enough to? I don't know. So we'll, we'll see later on as that develops, but... Bottom line is, it's not as obvious what move the Padres should make. It's so easy for you to go online and, you know, just have the opinion of being like, we need another starting pitcher. That's one area that I actually strongly disagree with, and we'll get into my my list later. Guys, the, the Padres have Joe Musgrove and Yu Darvish for sure, and then they're hoping that Blake Snell turns into something, right? At least Blake Snell starts returning to at least being a third 
rotation guy. And then you have Chris Paddock as the four or five guy, and that's not too bad. So they're not dying for pitching, first of all, just as a team. I would love another starter. You can never have too much pitching. But there's also plenty of other teams in baseball right now that are dying for another starting pitcher. And I think I've talked about this before. You've got the Toronto Blue Jays. They would love another starting pitcher right now because then they could be really competitive. You have the St. Louis Cardinals who don't even have... a number one starter you know you don't even have that all right so there's other teams in baseball that are going to be a lot more aggressive in trading even the Atlanta Braves to a degree so there's a lot of teams in baseball that are going to be much more bullish on trading for a starting pitcher and it's not like there's a ton of them available right so that's my one take personally that's just me again uh, tomorrow by the time this podcast comes out you they could have traded for Max Scherzer and then I'll look like an idiot right but that's just my take on it I know the popular thing is to give up on Mackenzie Gore these days and be like, trade him away, he's a bust, this and that. Now, don't get me wrong. If you tell me we get some guy that's maybe under team control for a little bit for Mackenzie Gore, I'm a little bit more open to that because you guys know me. I'm not as much of a big prospect fetishizer. I don't like getting super obsessed about guys that are 19 years old. Sorry, I just like proven talent. Sue me. But that's just, that's just how I feel about that. So in general, the Padres trade situation is going to be interesting. And what I will say is this, I'll end with this. If the Padres don't make a move, it'll be the most quiet trade deadline slash offseason that they've had in quite a long time. Let's start from 2015. They have the super trade bonanza, Will Myers, Justin Upton, uh, Matt Kemp, Craig Kimbrell, that whole crazy year, right? Then, obviously, they end up selling. And then 2016, I think it's 2016, or is it 2017? I think it's 2017, I could be wrong. All right, so maybe they did actually have one offseason they were on, but it was like 2017, you bring in Eric Hosmer, right? You you bring in Eric Hosmer, you have all these moves in that department, and then you start making trades for, you know, you trade away James Shields and stuff like that, and then you say, all right, we're signing Manny Machado, and then you say, all right, we're going to do in this offseason, we are trading for Tommy Pham, and what ended up being Jake Cronenworth, and then we're also trading for Emilio Pagan. And then we're also trading for Trent Grisham. And then the deadline that year, Mike Clevenger. And then obviously this past offseason was absolutely nuts. So AJ probably likes to be active. So do not sleep on any possible move. If there is a rumor out there, it's definitely possible. You know what I mean? Any suggestion is possible. My only thing, though, is I think we this is a lot more dicey and weird of a situation. Because do you want to blow up that, that farm system? It's nice to know that you have a little bit of extra wiggle room just in case someone turns out poorly. Say you trade for a guy and he ends up being a little bit of a bust, i.e. a Blake Snell type, then you at least know you have some potential hope down the line and you're not committed. You know, Go look at the Yankees roster right now. They're in a little bit of trouble because their whole roster is basically committed and they don't have many much wiggle room to make. It's not like they have a lot of farm system depth. So I've been talking really fast. Uh, a lot so far, and I'm going to talk also really fast through this, guys. I want to talk to you about rockauto.com, guys. Look, look, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You know, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Like, what does that even mean? And wait while the person has to go behind the counter and order all the parts. You don't want to do that, guys. You have computers with access to rockout.com at home and in your pocket. So why not go to rockout.com, guys? Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is also a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They're very, very reliable, and they have everything you need from brake parts, tailing motor oil and even new carpet so guys what are you waiting for go to rockout.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how do you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliable prices all the parts your car will ever need 
rockauto.com. All right, guys, and we're back. And I'm going to try and slow down just a little bit. I Look, I've actually had a pretty good day. I'm recording this, you know, uh, at night right now, and you guys are going to hear it in the morning, but I've had a pretty good night. Just just did a lot of work, got some, some cool news, and I'm on Whole Cake Island arc for One Piece, and it is so, so good. It is so good, this Candyland-looking thing, and it's like the strongest characters, darkest storylines. It's awesome. God, One Piece is rad. But anyway, guys, let's talk about what you want to hear about, which is my personal picks, just talking a little bit about my article and the kind of suggestions for potential players that the Padres could go after. And they aren't necessarily star names, although I'm not opposed to star names. They're just some different names instead of some of the obvious ones, right? So let's begin with the first one, which is Mitch Hanniger, outfielder Seattle Mariners. Look, the guy's a slugger. He's not the best defensive player in the world, but Seattle ain't going nowhere. And that's basically my thing about it. His isolated power is really high, too. He's a genuine power bat. And the last time he was fully healthy and everything, and his walk rate is a little bit down this year, but I think it's going to go up. Um, the last time he was fully healthy, he was an all-star, like batting 280, 350 on base, around those type of numbers. I know that he struggles against lefties. I know that he's not some perfect candidate, but I think he's a. I just don't think it would cost much. You could do one of those really low end deals and get him and add some depth to your outfield. Maybe give some guys off uh, days off and what have you. Just add another piece to your uh, team that might work. I don't know exactly how it would fit totally, but it's definitely a name to keep an eye on if you're just looking for some sort of power burst. And I actually think that he would do uh, pretty good in the Padres lineup. So that's just one name among many others. And. Let's move on to another one. Josh Harrison, infielder for the Washington Nationals. I know, it sounds like I'm really picking from the runts of the litter right now, but Josh Harrison's actually been just a very solid player this year. If you're thinking right now, Preller, and you're thinking Jerks and Profar, he fine. Look, I, I wish the guy well, and I love his personality. I genuinely do. I really like him. He's He's always got a bright smile on his face, but you're thinking, you know what? Maybe this was a mistake. Maybe this was something that we shouldn't have done uh, with Jerickson Profar. The fact that he basically had his first kind of good-ish season in a long time as a batter last season. Maybe you're like, all right, maybe we want to move on. Maybe you want to add a different guy, a different utility sort of infielder. Well, Josh Harrison can do that. He doesn't have a lot of slugging power. 378 slugging on the year, and he's not bound to go up. This has never been a slugging guy. It's not like there's potential to go up. This guy's career high in home runs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 16 home runs, which isn't atrocious, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely not going up. He's definitely not uh, that type of player who's going to do that, but he plays a decent glove, decent, okay glove. He's not going to shock you or anything, but like I said, I just think he's also a fun player, really good base runner. If you guys don't know, he's famous for some of his times in Pittsburgh uh, with getting caught in pickle situations and getting out of it. Unbelievable. I love Josh Harrison. Very fun player. And I think that if you're just looking, again, these are very buy-low type of guys. Or I shouldn't even say buy-low, but just very undervalued uh, players, in my opinion. Uh, another one is Whit Merrifield. Now, this is the first star name, right? Whit Merrifield has been in trade rumors for what feels like three years. And the Padres, unlike the rest of the guys that I just mentioned, the Padres have been attached to Whit Merrifield. It was around the time, it was around summertime last year that they were attached to him. I don't know how far those talks got, but considering that they did make a deal for Red Trevor Rosenthal, there's reason to believe that they'd be willing to talk to the Royals again about this. And I know he isn't doing perfectly well right now. He has not been uh, the all-star that we're used to from him. 279 batting average with a 328 on base uh, so far this season. Uh, you might be a little bit scared off by that, but so far in June, he's killing it with a 337 batting average, 358 on base. He's just a hitter's hitter, and he plays a decent glove. He can even play the outfield. Great utility value for sure if you're wondering about the Jerickson Profar thing and maybe moving around Hassan Kim. 
That's cool. Whit Merrifield can play every position. That's really good. He's also got great speed on the base paths. Not going to hit a lot of power, but guess what? In theory, we don't need more power, all right? We have Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Trent Grisham, and heck, apparently Jake Cronenworth is a superstar slugger now over the last week. So you don't need a power bat necessarily. I know I brought up Mitch Haniger before, so that comes off as hypocritical. But again, I just think that Whit Merrifield is worth a potential price, and I don't think the Royals are going anywhere. I don't really know what that team's doing. I don't know what the end goal for them is uh, I guess they're just hoping Bobby Witt Jr., their superstar shortstop, gets called up at some point. But otherwise, I think that it wouldn't cost too much. But it'd be a little bit pricier, especially because of the name value. But I love Whit Merrifield on this team. I think he'd be great. Another one, one that I'm really high on, Robbie Grossman of the Detroit Tigers, outfielder. Now, I actually thought that there was a point when this guy wasn't being an undervalued, kind of overlooked dude because... Uh, you know, he was batting 265 last month with a 366 on base. Great on base guy. He loves to walk. And granted, the Padres aren't in need of guys who can walk, but still, it's it's still a nice power for him. And he's also a really good guy who uh, against lefties this year. Batting 276 with a 387 on base and a 500 slugging percentage. So he kills lefties. Lefty bat in the lineup could be nice. Um, and, I, and I actually think that because of his last month batting 193 with a 273 on base, that people might be a little bit less inclined to go for him. Maybe his, his hype has simmered down a little bit. You know me, guys. I like buying low. Robbie Grossman is legit. Out of all the players in baseball, at the time when I wrote the article, actually, that I'm talking about, uh, it was actually five players, but now it's only four players in baseball have an outside zone swing percentage less than 20%. That's Juan Soto, no surprise there. Max Muncy, Tommy Pham, the boy, the warlock. By the way, I didn't officially uh, give Tommy Pham his warlock status back. Congratulations, Tommy Pham, with the Warlock status. And then Robbie Grossman, fourth. He has a 19.8% outside zone swing percentage, which basically means he does not swing at bad pitches, guys. So the idea of having Robbie Grossman in this lineup and a Tommy Pham type, the difference would probably be is that Robbie Grossman's got a little bit more power, and he's definitely more of a lefty killer. Uh, that would be, make the lineup a lot more dangerous. Really two tough outs. You know, you've already got Machado and Tatis who can damage you, but then when you have a Pham and a Grossman to deal with, I don't know. I think that could be awesome. Don't really care about the defense at all. I think Robbie Grossman, arguably out of all the guys that I've mentioned, uh, would be the one that I'd be most excited about if the Padres were somehow able to swing that. But one thing that's in common with all the guys that I've mentioned so far is they're all on non-competitive teams. That's my thing right here, right? So you know that they're probably going to be available. Okay, Mitch Hanniger, well, Seattle, they're 41-38. and 38. Seattle is not buying at the deadline, guys. They do not have enough. They're eventually going to start re- regressing. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to continue up at this pace, right? They're only three games above 500. That doesn't mean they're going to start buying. And I just think that they're going to get rich, rid of Mitch Hanniger. Is it possible they keep him? I think out of all the guys I've mentioned so far, it's a little bit less likely because, granted, it is true. They are three games above 500, but I think they're still most likely to be sellers. And then in terms of some other guys uh, that I wrote about, I wrote about Starling Marte as a little bit of a joke, though. And Starling Marte actually uh, was in a little bit of a controversy recently with a posting some video on his Instagram story with a rat getting shot with a shot up into the air with a, a rocket. Like, don't look that up. It was really just kind of sick stuff. So he was in a little bit of controversy. Apparently it wasn't him, but it was him sharing some other video. I don't know what the heck that was. That was just weird and bad. Um, maybe bad mojo, but I don't know if necessarily the Marlins would trade him. I'm going to be honest. Arm Layton, host of Lockdown Marlins. I wrote that uh, recommendation just to annoy him, to be perfectly honest. And then the last other guy that I wrote about was Richard Rodriguez, one of the more consistent closers in baseball, very underrated on the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are definitely selling, so absolutely. And honestly, he's going to be one of the higher 
sought after names. I know he gave up a, a run the other day, I think, but he is just has such great control of pitches. He does not issue free walks. Absolutely not. Even better than Mark Melanson to a degree with his uh, level of control. His strikeout rate is a little bit down this year, but I'm expecting that to go up. And while I know that Richard Rodriguez is probably the most popular reliever name that's probably available on the market, another one that I like is actually just any of the relievers over in Baltimore. I like Pat Fry of the Baltimore Orioles. Or I'm sorry, Paul Fry. And I know that his ERA jumped a bit over the last week or so. It's actually at 3.68 because of what happened last night. He gives up three runs to the Astros, and he also gave up uh, four earned runs in two-thirds innings uh, against the Blue Jays. But I just named two high-powered offenses, so this is what happens. His his ERA just got super bloated. Before, basically, this last week, he had a 1.78. And in 28 innings pitched, he has 40 strikeouts, which is not bad with just 14 walks. Just not bad. And I guarantee you it's not going to cost that much to get that guy, like whatsoever. So I would definitely look into him. And I just, you know, I just think that there are there are other options for bullpen. I do think the Padres should go and get a, a reliever, though. I'm worried about some amount of regression for Mark Melanson. And with Drew Pomeranz being expected to come back, plus just other guys in the bullpen, we saw Tim Hill get a little bit in trouble the other day walking and allowing the bases to get loaded. I think some of those guys might regress. You got some injuries in the bullpen. Adding another relief pitcher, especially off of teams like Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I think is the right move because it's not like they're going to ask too much. It's relief pitchers too. So I think that that's okay. Even if they're rentals or what have you, I'd be very much in favor of it. And now, guys, before we talk about my final kind of uh, takes, players that I don't want necessarily the Padres to trade for and why, it's basically a lot of similar reasons, I need to talk to you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, guys. Baseball season obviously is in full swing, but you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use the promo code locked on guys. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And also, guys, I want to talk to you about something real nice. Do you love to order fish when you go out to eat? but never make it for yourself at home. Maybe you just don't feel like doing it. Cooking restaurant-quality dishes at home starts with high-quality seafood and simple techniques from Wild Alaskan Seafood, guys. It is a great company delivering high-quality, sustainably-sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination. And every month, there are different specials to explore. And you know me. I, I I love it when they mix things up with variety and limited time flavors and all that. Wild Alaskan Company, seafood is also how nature intended to be. Always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer 100% satisfaction guaranteed on your money back. It's pretty cool, right, guys? You get your nutrition from nature with a wild Alaskan company. And because you are listening to this podcast, guys, right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. And now, guys, let's keep it going. Let's let's kind of, you know, slow the road. Let's, let's in the waning hours, you know, this is when the hot takes start coming in. All right, this is when the hot takes start coming in. And naturally... Of course, as I talked about at the beginning, I've talked way longer 
on this episode than I intended to be. I thought this was going to be a lot faster, but here we go, guys. I also write in my article about guys that I don't want the Padres to trade for, and let me be clear. This is a lot based on basically every single player. I'm down with all three of the players that I'm about to mention, except for maybe one of them. I I I want to make it, make it known that if they were to trade for these guys and not give up much, then yes, of course I'm for that. I can only go, though, however, based on conventional wisdom and what it is expected to cost for these guys. Expected. Of course, you can have yourself a U Darvish thing. You can have yourself a guy that gets traded for absolutely or barely anything. You know, I brought up David Price a long time ago, I think, on the podcast when I said, you know, back in the day he was expected to get, you know, fetch a fortune, and he didn't. He only gave, they only got a couple prospects and decent pitchers who were okay, but they didn't really do much. You know, I often find that in baseball and in any sport, when it especially baseball, when it comes to trading for stars and all this stuff who are projected to be traded, maybe the team is falling apart. Oftentimes, the package is never as massive as people think it's going to be. You know what I mean? Like, anybody can get traded, I think, at the right time, depending on what people are asking for. So with that out of the way, let's get to it. Guys that I don't think the Padres should trade for, number one, Max Scherzer. I know. Hate on me if you want. Again, let me be clear. If they don't give up anything crazy, if they don't give up C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore for half a year of Max Scherzer, that'd be great. He's clearly back, right? I know he's great. I know he had a little bit of an injury scare. He's also a funny personality. I think he's really great. I love his deranged, zany look in his eyes every time, I don't know, people dare stand against him. I don't know what it is. Like, he was awesome. I know I talked about this um, last week how I actually thought out of all the pitchers that were acting you know, uh, hands in the air, uh, up in arms about all being checked for a foreign substance. I actually thought his was fair because it was multiple times and he was being checked because Girardi was being petty and without really substance or evidence making them check him again. But anyways, enough of that side tangent. Um, The biggest thing for me is that if the Padres trade for a starting pitcher, I don't actually think that they need some certified ace like Max Scherzer. And I imagine given that the Nationals are in a weird spot, that they're going to try and maximize as much value from him if they do end up trading him away, which is not a guarantee, although I do think that they should be looking that direction. I think it's... I think it's likely that Max Scherzer is the name that we're going to see on MLB Network all the time. You're going to see Ken Rosenthal-esque reports, maybe not necessarily from him, but those type of tweets that are like, team is engaged with talks with the Nationals. I think that's going to really start heating up. Whether or not he gets dealt is another question entirely. But my thing is I think think that there are cheaper options that they can go for. Herman Marquez, Kyle Gibson, Danny Duffy's in the bullpen right now. But I just think if you want a starting pitcher to bolster the back end, I don't think you need an ace. I think that the the start the starting three of Joe Musgrove, Yu Darvish, and Blake Snell theoretically should be okay. If you want to trade for an ace, I get it. I know that it's really tempting to want to do that, but I don't necessarily think that that's the area that the Padres are dying to improve if they can only choose one avenue to improve in, if that makes any sense. Another guy that I don't think they should trade for, this one I just don't want to because based on principle for the most part, and that's Josh Hader. First of all, they're not going to trade him, all right? This has been a guy rumored for a while, basically preseason, uh, like beginning of the year and all that, Padres fans, I remember this, Padres fans willed into existence a rumor about him being traded to the Padres. It was actually quite incredible. Shout out to Padres Twitter. You guys are wild sometimes. Um, it Basically, they willed it into existence. They willed into existence a Christian Yelich and Josh Hader trade. It's like, what is going on? This is just nuts. Um, but basically, my main reasoning behind this is that it's going to cost a lot. 
it's been very obvious from the beginning that they're not moving on from Josh Hader unless they give you a big, big, big offer. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying top-level prospect. And Josh Hader's, yeah, he's one of the best relievers in baseball, if not the best. Some would say Liam Hendricks. I think it's Josh Hader. He's been back. You know, last year he stumbled a little bit, but this year he's been awesome. But reason number two, the Brewers are even less inclined now because they currently lead the division. In the NL Central. So that is just completely off the books. Granted, I started writing this article and writing about Josh Hader before the Brewers really started playing exceptionally well, going 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, that division, I think, is has been up for grabs for a while. I never thought that the Cardinals were 1 million percent legit. Yes, they were the favorite, but lowercase l favorite heading into the season. And now without Jack Flaherty, they are just falling apart over there in St. Louis. They're 38-41 and 41 on the year. Um so I don't think that they're going to move them. The, the Brewers are 46 and 33. If anything, they are buying at the deadline. So not only do I not recommend trading for Josh Hader because I think it would cost too much, uh, but I also think it, don't think it's going to happen. And also based on principle, relievers are a real volatile position, guys. You don't want to be paying too much for that position. That's just me. If you end up winning World Series, I know. Hey, the, the Chicago Cubs gave up a lot. They gave up Glaber Torres, who ends up being kind of a an all-star. I know he hasn't been good now, but they end up giving up something for, for Raldis Chapman, and they, they won the World Series. Like, it mattered, but I'm just saying, it's it's a very, it could be a little bit of a gamble, in my opinion, anyway. Again, this is all my opinion. And then the last guy I wanted to talk about was Joey Gallo, who I believe some people left me some questions. I did an entire episode dedicated to talking about Joey Gallo. Out of all the three guys that I don't want the Pirates to necessarily trade for, this is the guy that I actually think, based on ability, that I'm not entirely sold on. Look, I know he walks a lot, and that outdoes the amount of strikeouts, right? It balances it a bit. You know what I'm saying? And I think that his power would work in Petco. I think he'd be fine. There's nothing about that. But I just worry about him, man. I just There's an idea of too many strikeouts that scares me. I don't like the idea of adding another super strikeout guy in this lineup. And on top of that, I know I'm repeating myself. I, you can basically title this episode, Will Cost Too Much. You know what I mean? I get it. But... Joey Gallo is going to cost a lot. Last year, they were reportedly asking for Luis Patino and C.J. Abrams. That's huge, especially for a guy who wasn't even performing all that well last year. I know he's got a decent glove. I know he's got incredible power, and he's going to hit the highlight reel. But my fear is, what if this guy becomes Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro, not a terrible player. He's doing okay. But with the Padres, his on-base skills were really bad. He struck out a whole bunch. And I like the glove. I like that it improved. But he just didn't. He didn't do enough for the lineup, in my opinion. You cannot have an on-base percentage that's below, like, 300, below 280 at points, right? So I would just be a little bit scared. And the other thing is that since there's so much club control for him, uh, it's going to cost a lot. And I think it's still going to cost a lot. I do not imagine that the Rangers are going to budge on there because they need to start boosting their farm system, too. There's a lot of work to be done in Texas. So, yeah, that's basically it for trade targets, guys. Look, anything can start happening. I guarantee you we're going to get a name that we didn't think was available, that's going to start being floated out there. One from the Yankees might start popping up. Seriously, I mean, the Yankees are a whole disaster. I just saw them lose tonight. DJ LeMahieu making a terrible throw to home plate. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, known for just being a pure hitter, uh, and he is not being that, let me tell you. So the Yankees are in trouble, and that's a team that doesn't have a lot of wiggle room. Um, The last thing I will say about the Padres is I just think that we all get a little bit too jumpy when the Padres start losing a bit, they start losing some weird games. And I think part of that is one, uh, Sully of Locked on MLB uh, made this point that we're all coming off a 60-game season in which you were supposed to react to uh, big stretches like that. 
you know, where you, you lose, like, all these games to the Cubs, and then you go get swept by the Rockies, like, that's, yes, it was actually very, you need to react to that, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of the season is uh, eaten up by, the, by those amount of games. And I think we're using last year, because especially because the Padres were so good last year, we're using that as almost an unfair barometer to hold this team by in terms of the standards that we're expecting. And also, I think we're just, you know, Padres... And a lot of longtime fans know this more than me. It's been a long time since the team was this good. Um, this is the best team that they've had since 98. Definitely the best team since they've had since, yeah, 98. 98's probably the last one where they had all these guys, Steve Finley and even Ricky Henderson on that team. Like, uh, all these guys on that team, Ken Caminetti, go check out my guy uh, Joe Vasile of um, the Secondary Lead Podcast. He did a great documentary uh, thing on Ken Caminetti. Uh, it's just... It's an awesome team, and I think that we're going to have rough patches. So whatever happens in this upcoming Red Series, don't worry. As long as I am worried about, like, there's developments, right? So Denelson Lamette's hurt. That's a little bit of an issue. But say if the Padres lose two out of three, you got you to gotta be a little bit careful. It's not them playing poorly. It's just that the Giants have been unexpectedly phenomenal. You know what I mean? That does not mean that the Padres need to be that it's their fault for not being better. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that the Giants have been really good, and you got to kind of, you know, tip your cap to them. But anyway, guys, today on the Locked On Today podcast, the Los Angeles Clippers are back in the game. Much to my chagrin, I'm rooting for the Suns and my boy CP3. Oh, man, that was miserable to watch tonight. Uh, That was really rough, but check that out on the Locked On Today podcast. Follow it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, guys. We're wrapping this up, and I'm just going to say for the next week, I actually don't know if we're going to have an episode tomorrow. It might be the rare uh, time that I miss one. Got a lot of work to do and what have you and might be busy. Might have some 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 trips to make, believe it or not. Uh, so maybe not an episode tomorrow. We'll have to see. But definitely we'll be back Thursday and Friday, including a crossover with Dan Wilson of Locked On Phillies. We'll be talking about all the Phillies stuff, and I'm really looking forward to it. I always love talking to teams that we haven't played before for crossovers, and especially hosts that I haven't talked to before. I mean, I've talked to Dan before, but I've never done a crossover with him. And then uh, next week you can also look forward to uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I know this is far down the line. Uh, crossover with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals. That should be a whole lot of fun for sure. I can't wait to do that. Uh, remember to send me some mailbag questions. You can DM me at Javapena or at LO underscore Padres. Going to be doing a 300th episode extravaganza. You won't want to miss it. You won't want to miss it. There we go. I'm really tired, guys. Uh, by, by, I slur my words sometimes. But anyway, with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Also, if you don't mind, send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app. Send me some nice comments, any pointers or what have you. I would greatly appreciate that. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.